Welcome back to Health Check. I'm Heidi Godman. We are talking today with Dr. Eugene Pereira. He's a pain management specialist at Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Systems in the pain management program. And we're talking about a fascinating new development for people who have back pain. There is now just has been started to be offered here on the Sun Coast a great procedure that can help relieve back pain because Dr. Pereira can insert this tiny little device that can sort of jack up the space in between decompressed vertebrae. So we want to find out more about it. It's called indirect posterior spinal decompression. And I've called up a picture of it on my laptop. I'm looking at it. It looks like a, what would you say it looks like? It looks like, um, uh, I really can't even describe it. There are some tongs at the bottom and they're like at the bottom of a little cube kind of a thing with a screw sticking out of it. So I've, I've got to know more about this. How does it how does it work? What happens if you determine, and in our last segment we were talking to Eugene about uh, how you determine who's a, the ideal candidate. And typically it's someone who has a decompressed disc, maybe one or compressed. two. A, a compressed, I'm sorry. A compressed disc um, between a couple of vertebrae. So, so uh, the FDA... Approval for this device is for spinal stenosis in the lumbar spine causing what is known as neurogenic intermittent claudication. So in layman's terms, it means that there's narrowing of the spaces in your spine, such as uh, the stenosis. And when you use your lumbar spine, namely to stand and walk, it causes pain to the point where you have to stop doing what you're doing and take a break. Okay. And uh, it is called specifically neurogenic intermittent claudication because the term claudication was uh, already taken by people who had uh, very poor blood flow. DVT? In, Deep vein in, thrombosis? No. No? Uh, it's an arterial process. So when uh, chronic smokers uh, developed narrowing of oh, the claudication, blood... Oh, claudication. Claudication. Thrombo- pad, pad, yeah, PAD, peripheral, yeah, peripheral, peripheral arterial, arterial disease. disease, right, yes. So the claudication from that would be uh, when they walked, they would not get enough blood flow and then their legs would get increasingly tired and they had to stop. But there's this separate segment of the population that has nerves that get upset and cause the same or similar effect. Okay, so it's neurogenic. Intermittent means it's not there all the time. Claudication, which means... You walk or you stand for some time and your legs start to bother. Right, right. Okay. Neurogenic intermittent claudication, which just means for your back, it means... Pain when you stand and walk. Pain when you stand and walk. Okay, so now you can sound like a doctor. I I have some neurogenic intermittent claudication, uh, but you really have lower back pain. So you might be a candidate for... to clarify, these patients don't usually have back pain so much as leg pain. Leg pain. Really, these patients that are candidates for this? Yes, they may have yeah. some. They may have some back pain, but that's not the main uh, complaint they come with. They say that they cannot stand and walk without having aching and cramping and stinging in, their in legs. the legs because the nerves are compressed. They're coming from the back, but they supply the legs, mm-hmm. and so when they get upset, their effects are felt in the areas they supply. Okay, all right, very interesting. But it's coming from the nerves. It's not coming from. Uh, uh, arterial sclerosis yeah, in, in the limbs or anything flow. like right, right, okay. So, so this is called indirect posterior spinal decompression, and it's a little device. About how big is it? Because I have a giant picture of it here on my screen. How big is it? So, I tell patients I can make an incision the the breadth of my pinky, and through that I can put this device in. Now doctors are doing one incision for two adjacent levels as well, 
maybe a little larger. The device itself is about, uh, they, it comes in various sizes from 8 millimeters to 14 millimeters based on how much uh, spacing can be placed between the spines. And it's about uh, less than a centimeter in diameter. So maybe the size of a pencil in thickness. It looks like a cube with a screw on one end and a, some spikes on the other end. Yes, that is a, it, that. Is that uh, But then it, you open them up. Right. So yeah. th- that is the image you're seeing in, in the resting phase, if you will. Mm-hmm. In the active or deployed phase, it's almost like a, an umbrella that opens up you know, mm. in reverse. And, and those little spines open up and form like, oh, like a TV antenna. Okay, now I found a picture of them sort of opened up. Correct. They look like kids' toys. <laughs> I mean, it's very interesting how that works. Why? All right, so then when you open it up, it's sort of a little cube, and then it has tongs sticking out on one side and the other. Why right. is that? What is it doing? So the, the tongs are grabbing on to the sides of the spine. The, uh, now, when I say the spine, it's not the general word of the spinal column. They're the, these are those little outcroppings of bone that come out from each of your vertebral bodies. And so they look like, they, they look, I mean, if you want a mental image, if you if you know a little bit about dinosaurs, the Stegosaurus has those spines on its back. Mm-hmm. So that's similar to the shape of the spines on our vertebral bodies. So between, so this little cube goes in between the spines of the back and it wedges itself in and the deeper it goes, the more it opens the spines up. But those little tines or uh, arms, if you will, grab onto the spines, uh, uh, the, the vertebral body spines and, and hold onto it, therefore anchoring themselves. Mm. So another example you can give is to be like something like a drywall anchor for a screw to go in and hold itself. Sure, sure. You put it in and then you spread out yeah. the, the little tines and then it grabs hold. So what does it take to get it in there? You, you put a person under anesthesia? So uh, the benefit of this is that the person does not have to go through a general endotracheal deep anesthesia where the machine breathes for you and you're, you're chemically paralyzed so that they can do this procedure, such as it would have been done if you had to have formal spine surgery. Uh, The analogy I can give in this regard is, is is the same kind of milky stuff that goes into your arm for like a colonoscopy or a endoscopy when you have to have uh, a testing done. So you fall asleep, but you're breathing on your own and you don't have to have the effects of smelly gases in your body for the next two or three days. Okay, all right. But do you do it in a procedure room or do you It's, do it in the so office? It has to be done, no, it has to be done thus far in a sterile environment that of the level of a surgery center. And it's a day procedure. And uh, it takes about 15 to 30 minutes per level. Okay. All right. So someone would come in and be prepped for the procedure. Uh, how do you do that? By IV injection? Yes. They come in, they do all the questionnaires, and uh, they start an IV. They get a little antibiotic. And then they get uh, the medication through the IV after they lay themselves down on the table and they're positioned properly. Um, and uh, then they drift off to sleep. We do the procedure and the, the medication is turned off and they wake up. And there you go. And you're fixed. Yep. Sounds so easy. But there is a little bit more to it. So while the person then is is resting, you could say, and, and out, right, then you make a small incision. Now, how are you doing that? Is This is a minimally invasive surgery. Yes. So I, I make a generous and extensive and liberal use of the x-ray machine or the fluoroscope to make sure that I'm doing the right level and everything is aligned properly. And uh, then I numb up the skin for added pain relief and make a small stab incision with a surgical scalpel. And uh, then we use 
uh, tubes of increasing size to slide one on top of the other. So we call it serial dilatation, or uh, where we make a larger opening through a smaller incision. And once it's uh, once it's um, opened up to the right level, then we deploy this device after doing a little measurement. Okay. And then how does it go down there? I mean, you're putting it down through a tube? Yes. And there's tubes and markings, and you have to align the two together. And then I use a little mallet to uh, re- kind of verge it down in there or put it down there so that it doesn't move. And uh, so the, that's a little hammering sound that people hear in the room, but the patient is fortunately asleep. <laughs> and they don't have nightmares after that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, once I finish uh, positioning the device to the place where it's required, then I put one or two stitches on the skin and uh, a Band-Aid and the patient goes home. So this is uh, not to be confused with all the late night advertisements for the Spine Institute and laser spine surgery, although this has a Band-Aid as well. Okay, all right. So, so then this device, this indirect posterior spinal decompression um, the device that you put in there, it lives in you forever then? Yes. How does the body react to it? Uh, the body has been shown not to have any problems with titanium and other implants, such as uh, formal spinal fusions, where they use uh, you know bolts and screws of that material. So this device is uh, just there, and it's benign, and the body doesn't interact with it. It'll probably scar a little tissue around it. And tell me again how long it takes to put it in there? Uh, I've done two of these procedures thus far, and it's taken me no more than 15 minutes each time. 15 minutes, okay. So then the patient is is woken up mm-hmm. and in recovery for a little bit, yes. and then you go home, and then what? And then you go back to life as normal. We do uh, try to treat it with some respect, as one would for a formal spinal fusion or a laminectomy. So we tell them not to go from zero to 60 in four seconds, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. gradually uh, you know, ramp up the activity. Uh, both my patients were amazed that previously they would have problems standing and they got off the uh, st- stretcher in the recovery room and stood up and walked out. Immediate relief? Yes. That's it's incredible. Dramatic, yes. Okay, but that sounds too good to be true. Absolutely. And, and you I, know what they say about that. Yes, if it's too good. Yeah. And, and I, I'm usually very skeptical skeptical about jumping onto this band, these bandwagons that try to sell something that shines like a meteor because you know that a meteor flashes in the sky and is gone. Mm-hmm. But the amazing thing about this is that this company has five years now of solid data of 80% or more reduction of the patient's symptoms, which are ongoing for five years, and no one has asked for it to be taken out or no one has gone in to have surgery uh, if their disease did not progress. Wait, say that again. So the company that produces this device has five years of data, and they waited four years before they went for FDA approval of uh, patients who had these devices implanted in them, and they have 80% or more reduction of their pain and symptoms. 80%. That's pretty significant. Gosh. Yeah. All right. But we don't know how long those the that pain relief, the pain, the symptoms are gone. We have five years of, it, of information. Yes, but, but look at it in perspective. If you had to have epidural steroid injections for three months of relief, a back surgery for a similar amount of relief. This is somewhere in the middle, less invasive and giving you the same outcome. 
so many more questions about this, but we need to take a quick break. So everybody, I want you to please stick around. We're going to find out about what it does for function and, and also uh, how much it costs and if it's covered by insurance. We're going to ask Dr. Eugene Pereira from Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Systems Pain Management Program all of those questions. Also going to learn more about back pain and what you can do about it. What about non-surgical options too? We'll address that. First, we need to take a quick break though. If you would like to check out Sarasota Memorial's pain care program. All you have to do is go to smhpaincare.com. You are listening to Health Check with Heidi Godman here on WSRQ. We will be right back after this quick break for news and weather. Hope you stay with us. 